0: Hey there, you're listening to What The Riff, a podcast that takes you back through the years from 1965 to 1995, featuring a rock album of the month, a few staff picks, and a little more. We hope you'll find something you haven't heard in a while, along with a few deeper cuts that you may never have heard, or that you'll find a new artist to follow. Visit our website, whattheriff.com, where our blog will show you all the artists we've covered, as well as a list of every track. Thanks to our sponsors, Stanton Electric, a commercial electrical specialist, and Marbury Creative Group, a brand development agency that helps companies tell it better.
1: So it's time to turn up the volume and enjoy this episode of What The Riff? Teachers at a preschool in Manhattan Beach, California are charged with satanic ritual abuse. The charges are later dropped. A New York detective offers a waitress half of $1 lottery ticket as a tip. The this next day, he won $6 million. A Soviet sub crashes into the USS Kitty Hawk off of Japan. This is March 1984, and we are What the Riff. I'm Bruce. I'm Wayne. I'm Rob. And I'm Brian. And what do we have today, Wayne? This
2: is Spinal Tap. It's a mockumentary. The album and the movie came out. And it started out as a sketch on a TV show called TV Show. And it was meant to satirize the whole Midnight Special. Uh, if you guys remember that, it came up oh, at yeah. you know, yes. 11.30, 12 o'clock at night on Friday nights. And the first song they came up with was called Rock and Roll Nightmare. And they did it as a joke on a lark. And the um, interesting thing is uh, that the band members all played their own instruments.
1: Oh, so they really can play. They can play.
2: I That's actually funny. saw them in concert. They came in concert after their, their second album, if you call it that. But they came, and actually they played at the Fox and saw them with a couple of friends. And it was, it was very similar to what was in the movie.
0: So they're not like Kanye West.
2: Yeah, exactly. <laughs> yeah, just raise their hand, go, heck yeah. <laughs>
1: Mr. West, we apologize for Rob's uh, derogatory comment. If he's not listening. <laughs> I can promise he you that. He might be. You never know. <laughs>
2: But this was uh, a Rob Reiner film, basically, one of his first ones. Um, He was going to be in the band, but uh, they said, hey, man, you just don't look really good in (laughs) spandex. So, (laughs) sorry.
0: (laughs) I didn't know that was the point. (laughs) (laughs) I
2: think he had more than a point around his tummy. So, So, uh, the interesting thing is that this first started out as like a 20-minute sketch, and they were just farming it out to all these uh, execs to do the movie. And no one wanted to do it. And then finally, our buddy Norman Lear, if you remember him, doing all the great uh, comedy shows back in the 70s, he helped back it. Now, there's still some money situations with these guys, but, you know, uh, what happened is when it started getting distribution, if they said, look, if the first two critics hate this, we're pulling it. We're not going to let it go out. But it still was not a hit. And we just listened to the uh, flower people. So... That was sort of like their beginnings of a group. They actually came back and came up with a, a history of all their all their songs, and uh, and <laughs> their group. And so each one awesome. had their own little history. And so basically they evolved sort of like how Ted Nugent came from that kind of psychedelic to a hard rock. They did the same thing of of, of the listen to the Power People. Now we're going into a, a song called Tonight I'm Gonna Rock You, and this is just basically your. Dumbest lyrics you can. Is, Tonight we're just gonna rock <laughs> You know.
0: <laughs> this isn't it like a very long movie. You said it started off as, a, as just a yeah. yeah I think sketch. it's like
2: ninety minutes. Yeah. You know, I, go see this. as spinal tap. It's yeah. hilarious. Uh, what's interesting is the bands when they're doing the interviews was basically improvised. Everything was improvised. Now they're gonna say, hey, we're gonna sit by the panel. You're gonna play the panel. And and there's some very funny points on that, and I just want to kind of throw it out. All right, guys, what's your your favorite part? Now, Bruce, you referenced yeah, it about a million times I, I in, do. on these. On these, I
1: podcasts. always I'm constantly talking about turning it up to eleven. Ours goes up to eleven.
2: <laughs> exactly, and I like Rob Ryder goes well. If ten was eleven, he goes, why not just make it 11 He goes, well,
1: but but ours goes up to eleven. <laughs> One louder. <laughs> I think it's hilarious to realize that they did this, and I didn't know until you said that that they kind of vamped it. I can't imagine the 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 interviewer having to sit there and not laugh as right. they're you know making this stuff up as they go.
2: Speaking of eleven, their IMBD, they got an eight out of a uh, eleven. <laughs> eight out of eleven. <laughs> <laughs> All right, Brian, your 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 favorite or one oh, of your favorites. Oh well.
3: I have gotta say the first thing that comes to mind was when we're talking about Boston is Boston. It's not a big college town.
2: <laughs> <laughs> you got Harvard, you got yeah. Boston College, yeah. you got all these great schools yeah. there. That was great. All right, Rob, what's your what's one of your favorite?
0: Drummers count to four. How <laughs> smart can they be? <laughs> <laughs> Speaking
2: of drummers, I mean, do you recall how they all died? Oh yeah. All the drummers died. <laughs> yeah. That's right. They uh, uh uh, threw up, right? Yeah, one one died of of accidentally having a uh, uh being being uh, dying of a vomit. Good, but it was somebody else's vomit. <laughs> <laughs> We're not but sure whose
1: vomit it was
2: because they can't dust for vomit. <laughs> <Yes>. <laughs> they had one die of a bizarre gardening accident. Then they had one that just turned just instantaneously combust
0: spontaneous <laughs> combustion. <laughs> All that
2: was left was a big little green glob of. <laughs> And then the last one, the last scene, actually, the guy actually just explodes.
1: <laughs> oh, you've got the, the song that you just went to. This is the big hit off of the. This album. is the,
2: my one of my songs that I like. Is uh, this is called "Big Bottoms," and um, <laughs> my one of my lyrics is, you know, uh, "Big Bottoms talk about bum cakes. My girls got them." <laughs> <laughs>
1: <laughs> this to me I just thought I thought when they wrote this they absolutely channeled Queen's fat bottom girls. Oh yeah. Absolutely. Yeah. Listen to that. All right. That's funny.
0: I mean it's really they're they're decent songs. That's The, the bigger the cushion,
1: the of <laughs> the cushion. That's what I said.
2: Alright, it kinda has that kind of gothic feel. You guys remember the, the, the stone skit? The the yes. The quick- Okay, you remember what happened? They were, you know, they were going to go ahead and design a set. Mm-hmm. And the guy goes, "Okay, we're going to do stonehenge. We're going to have this big, giant stonehenge. And he writes on there and goes, "Okay, I'll make it for that." And the guy, instead of putting feet, he puts inches. Mm-hmm. And then the set designer comes back and goes, "Here's, here's your set designer, This little eighteen-inch <laughs> stonehens, <laughs> foot and a half tall stone yeah. hens. <laughs> and then it comes down out of the sky, and then the, the little dwarves dance around it, and I just. <laughs> That was so hilarious. What's funny about that is there's a lot of musicians who actually just just cry at this because how truthful it is. They talk about getting lost in the underground parts of the backstage, uh you know, and they go, (laughs) I I didn't want to take a jog. (laughs) And, um. Actually, Ozzy Osbourne <laughs> thought this was an actual true documentary. <laughs> that's how, how, how true to form it was. It I'm not
3: sure of... that's a real nice plug. Uh, I don't, I don't...
0: And Ozzy Osbourne doesn't realize that his In show was a, a uh, documentary. <laughs>
1: <Yeah>. <laughs> ah, but he's laughing all the way to the bank my he is.
2: What's funny is Mike Mills of REM goes, Hey, believe it or not, we played at an Air Force base. <laughs> so just think of that.
0: I have a question, Wayne. Who who were the members? Because I'm, well, I'm not good with the members anyway. Well,
2: uh, Derek St. Hubbins, um, he got his last name from the St. Hubbins, who was the patron saint of footwear. <laughs>
1: the patron saint of footwear.
2: <laughs> then you had Derek Smalls. Who is the bass player? Yep. He's the one with the. You remember the the cucumber accident or whatever? Yeah. He, uh, he he was going through uh, TSA at the time, and uh, though they were doing the wand on him, and they found uh, that he enhanced himself a little bit. <laughs> <laughs> I saw an interview. Was it wasn't a cucumber. It was a zucchini because because cucumbers have too many bumps. <laughs> <laughs> then you had Nigel Tuffle who's the actual lead guitarist. And uh, he's the one that did the. It's got to go to eleven. He also liked uh, like uh, playing playing things on the on the piano. He liked Bach and uh, Mozart. He likes to do the combination of the two, and he calls it mock.
0: Mach. Yes. <laughs> mock.
2: But the thing is, is this is really a thinking man's comedy. There's no real, real gags in it. It's, it's really a very There's- smart, and you almost have to. You know, watch it several times uh, Interesting thing is uh, Chris Guest, who, who plays Nigel he's I hate married, it when that he's happens ma- he's, he's married to uh, Jamie Lee Curtis Yep
3: Ah, well, of course he's a, a Saturday Night Live alum yeah.
2: Yes, right you Harry have- Shearer, you know what Harry Shearer is more, more famous about Besides playing Derek Smalls, the bassist He's several voices on The Simpsons He's the principal oh. Skinner, Mr. Burns, Smithers, and Flanders
1: Oh, that's cool now what song did we drift into here?
2: We're living in a hellhole. <laughs> this is actually the sort of the end. Uh, as the band members supposedly watched this, uh, when I saw an interview as band members, they said, what's your favorite part? And it was after this. They liked the closing credits. <laughs> I spent a lot of time watching outtakes on the, this. Th- there's tons of stuff to watch. Not only this, this is Final Fantasy.
1: There's a lot of uh, cam- like cameos in the movie from uh, different actors or actresses. Yeah. That yeah. You oh, and
2: there's tons of them, and, and you'll you'll recognize them as they come through. I I just I didn't want to go down that rabbit hole because I liked all the jokes. My favorite joke we didn't get into that. Yeah, was they were going to a theme park and they were headlining mm-hmm. over a puppet show. But <laughs> when they went <laughs> there, they saw the sign, and it had Puppet Show. And then this is pinal, Spinal Tap, and, and their manager goes, oh, no, if I've told them once, I've told them 100 times, put Spinal Tap first, then Puppet Show last. <laughs> <laughs>
0: Opening for a puppet show. <laughs>
2: There was another joke I liked uh, when he was playing on the piano, and he's playing a really sad song. It's, D is the saddest of the keys. And, of course, Rob Reiner goes, what's the name of this song? He goes, lick my love pump. (laughs) 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 And, guys, remember, there's always a fine line between stupid and
1: clever. Yes, (laughs) there is a fine line. And I'm going to use that line. At some point in the next week, there's a fine line between the stupid and clever.
2: And if you remember, they're thinking of a, the, me too culture. They had the uh, "Smell the Glove" album, where the guy gloves over a, a woman's face, mm-hmm. and some woman comes up and looked at the album, and said that was sexist, and goes, "Well, what's wrong with being sexy?" <laughs> 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 but really, the documentaries, basically, are mockumentaries, basically, about their they they say it's not a farewell tour it's a comeback farewell tour <laughs> so however that is
0: they're, they really are uh, rocking out
2: oh it's a great 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 album so if you get the chance go see This Is Spinal Tap listen to the album I mean these songs are tongue in cheek at best Mm-hmm. And um, actually pretty good songs. I yeah. enjoyed them.
0: That's fun. Thanks, Wayne. Thank you. Now we're going into our entertainment track. This is definitely a little softer. <sighs> yeah, we're more relaxed. Yeah. This is uh, Phil Collins against from the uh, Against All Odds soundtrack. Rob,
3: well, I think we may have talked about this before, but I don't think it was on a podcast. This song, I remember uh, being played... Uh, everywhere oh yeah and this song was uh, it was basically awarded the most airplay of any single and i want to say it was for the, the the decade for the 80s but it may have been longer than that but i mean it still received an enormous well amount you light up play. my
0: life had to be more than that
1: that was the that was the biggest it hit of just the, the 80s then huh yeah.
0: I,
2: mean, that, I think that song was made of, May have been 1980, may have been 79 It was in the
0: yeah. 70s, I think, but still yeah. yeah, yeah. But this, this song receives
3: the, the yeah. most airplay And I think it was just for the decade I, 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 I play decade.
0: around on the keyboards a little bit And a friend of mine got married And asked me to play this song at his wedding
1: mm-hmm.
0: And uh, I think I was 17 at the time Well, they had beer at the wedding Ah. And I was really nervous Did you sing? I did not uh. sing, I was just playing But I didn't play very well <laughs> By the time, it was my time to play. And I knew this song very well. Didn't do that well on the... Sorry about that, Steve. Hey, but I bet after a few beers, it sounded even better. I think yeah. everybody else had had a few beers, so they
3: liked it,
1: too. It was yeah.
0: a backyard wedding. So you
2: were really the wedding wedding piano player instead of the yeah, wedding I played, singer. Yep.
1: The, uh, the big thing with this, uh, at the time... Uh, so I was in high school, and you'd have these high school dances after the football. Game. Oh, yeah. And this was... Like slow a dance. mandatory slow dance. Slow oh, dance, no doubt.
2: Our couple's only on the skating rink. All right, other movies. Other movies of um, March of 1984. Repo Man. You guys remember that? That was uh, Emilio Estevez and, and Harry Dean Stanton was in that. Children of the Corn. Children yeah, that was pretty corn. Cool. was a scary one with, uh, yeah. with Stephen King. Splash. Daryl
3: Hannah. That yes. was
2: uh, Tom Hanks' big break, wasn't it? it yeah, was exactly. Indeed. John Candy had a great role in that yeah, too. We had Tank. Uh, that was James Garner, kind of a action comedy movie. Now,
1: if I recall correctly, Tank was the part of that was filmed in Atlanta. Because our if if it's if it's the one that I'm thinking about, '96 Rock had a big call out for extras. To, to this thing and if you watch the movie you'll see some folks in 96 Rock t-shirts oh. uh, in the background hmm.
0: and if well, you want to see somebody in a 96 Rock t-shirt now just look at our Facebook page you have to page. check out our Facebook page
2: <laughs> Greystoke, The Legend of Tarzan was sort yeah. of a I remember that right back of uh, Edgar Riceboro's uh, Tarzan of the Apes Romancing the Stone that
0: was a good yeah. movie that Kathleen was a Turner, good
2: movie. Danny DeVito and Michael Douglas is the lead and finally, probably one of the favorite comedies, Police Academy. Yes.
0: The original. Finally, the original. The original. Surely you can't be serious. No, that's Airplane.
2: <laughs> that's Airplane. You got the wrong one. <laughs> you got to start making weird noises or something if you're going to do that. Yeah. <laughs> yeah. <laughs> All right. That was movies of March of 1984. Now we're going on to staff picks. And our next staff pick is coming D- from Brian. Oh.
3: Ah, Yes. This is from John Lennon. Nobody told me. Of course this was originally part of the songs that he had He had actually written this song in 1976 while he was working on his Double Fantasy album. And as we all know Double Fantasy was released after his after his death. And this didn't make the cut. Hmm. when it didn't make the cut for Double Fantasy, John Lennon thought he'd give it to his friend Ringo Starr Hmm. as a song for his album that came out in 1981, Stop and Smell the Roses. Well, of course, as we all know, Lennon was killed and shot on December 8th of 1980. So Ringo didn't feel comfortable recording it. Hmm. Wow. Yeah. So basically this... This song resurfaced in 1984 uh, when it was released as a single and included on the Milk and, Mo- and Honey album and it was composed or comprised of songs recorded during the double fantasy that just, those, they were released as, as, in this album. So it was a, uh, a nice posthumous hit and it did very well on both the UK and the US charts. Of course, our friend Yoko Ono, your friend and mine and everybody else's friend, she called it a kind of a fun song.
1: A fun song.
3: Yes. She told Uncut, according to song facts, she told Uncut in 1998. I think that especially around the time that we, he felt, at this time in, the, in his life, he felt that the world was had lost its course and its direction. So I really think that it has to do with, not confusion, but starting to learn that life is always going to be a mystery. Now... Insert your own Yoko Ono accent and try to, you know. Yeah.
1: You get the idea. Yes.
3: Most peculiar, Mama. Most
1: peculiar, Mama.
3: I just love the guitar in this.
1: This one takes me back to my Western Sirloin Steakhouse days. My, <laughs> my first job was as a dishwasher at the Western Sirloin Steakhouse in Beauford. And uh, we would have a radio going, and I remember... Uh, it, this song playing on the uh, on the radio. In fact I believe Jeff Miller, shout out to Jeff Miller, wherever you're at, uh, was singing this uh, rather rather weakly um, on the uh, when it came on the radio.
3: But you know we he mentioned there's a UFO over in New York and I ain't too surprised. Remember that line? Well according to song facts, this was taken from an actual incident with Lennon. Oh yeah? In 1974, John and his lover May Pang, which was during his separation with our friend and yours, Yoko Ono, were living in an apartment overlooking the New York East River, and all of a sudden he saw something, what he thought was a UFO, so he opens the window, according to May Pang, and says, hey, take me. <laughs> <laughs> so, take that for what it's worth, but the, John Lennon, of course, love him or hate him, he was just an incredibly musician.
1: Very oh, talented. Yeah. Good pick. Great singer and songwriter. Mm-hmm. I'm guessing this next one is from
0: Rob. Of course it is. Because after all, it is Duran Duran. <laughs> and this is New Moon on Monday. I'm just a big Duran Duran fan. I like it. I liked it. it yeah, the alternative feel to it. And. This was from their album, Seven and the Ragged Tiger, which came out in 1983.
1: This single was released in 1984. I've, I've got to say, Rob, Duran Duran is quite talented, especially if you listen to the bass line. I, the, uh, the longer time has gone on, the more I'm impressed with the bass work in uh, Duran Duran. Yes, but I hated this album. (laughs) (laughs) And I hated this album for a very specific reason. Oh, why is that? There were lots of girls in my high school that loved Duran Duran at this point. They would wear Duran Duran buttons, they would talk Duran Duran, they would Simon LeBond, all of the stuff. I dressed like Duran Duran for that very reason. (laughs) Well, and see, I should have taken a page out of your book, Rob, because... I was just like, oh, I just can't stand this. You know, <laughs> I love, I love the Rio stuff, the Hungry Like the Wolf. That was very good, but I just couldn't take Seven and the Ragged Tiger primarily because it was so popular at the time. Yes,
3: it was your picture you that you wanted to put, paste it on their wall and not Duran Duran.
1: Yeah. Well, I should. Uh, so that's the thing. I should have thought of thought in terms that uh, Rob was thinking, and I should have gravitated to. Yes, it. yes. You should have embraced your inner Duran Duran. That's right. <laughs> this I, was
0: from the album Seven and the Ragged Tiger. you hear simon singing he was quoted as saying this is an adventure story about a little commando team the seven is uh for us the the five band members and the two managers and the ragged tiger is success so you got seven people running after success it's ambition that's what it's about seven and the ragged tiger oh that's interesting
1: well they were huge at the time. I mean Oh absolutely they, this
0: was one this is
1: when they began
0: to get compared to the Beatles.
2: I would say in nineteen eighty four they would have been the top artists at that time if it wasn't for Michael Jackson who had obviously the I, thriller
0: album. I would agree with
2: that. So I mean but they, they were everywhere. I mean those two albums that came
0: out back to back.
3: They knew how to make a video too. Yes. yes. Yeah,
0: this was uh, this video was filmed in France. And they had a lot of different versions of it. They had one that was 17 minutes long. And uh, you've got uh, Simon Le bon, uh, and the, the female lead was Patricia Barzik. She was Miss France. Okay, and that was plan. too
2: long I didn't see. <laughs> yeah, you
0: didn't watch it. Well, New Moon on Monday was uh, made it to number 10 on the U.S. Billboard charts in March of 1984, which, of course, is the uh, month that we're covering here on What the Riff. And uh, before that, you had Union of the Snake. Yeah. Remember that one? Yeah, yeah. that was. That one. made it to number three on the U.S. Billboard charts. And then after this was a huge hit. It became worldwide number one hit. The Reflex. The Reflex. So that was. Those were their big ones from here. I have a question for you all. What do you think would have happened
3: with Duran Duran if MTV never existed?
1: Oh, I don't know. There were there was definitely a synergistic relationship between those two. Um,
0: well, yeah, they were they were visual. I mean, uh, right, the videos were right. visual. the The guys in the band were
1: visual. That was what it was all about. Well, right. and it helped to be a photogenic band. That's what there I mean. Some groups that didn't do too well with uh, with, with the I've whole MTV thing. I've always wondered
3: if MTV didn't exist, would D- Duran Duran have enjoyed the success the you know, success that they have? And I just don't think they would have.
2: No. There's a lot of bands that were like that. You've got to remember, this was the second wave, the, the new wave mm-hmm. from England. We had with this second group right. versus, say, in 64 when we had the Beatles and the Stones and the Who. Right. This was that next wave that came through. The new wave. The new wave. Exactly. All right. So. Moving on to more staff picks. And now we're going to go to Bruce on this
1: staff pick. That's right.
2: Sounds like some more disco. Yeah.
1: Let this one warm up a little bit. Do you remember this song? Oh,
0: I'm, I do. Absolutely. I'm liking the keyboards in the background.
2: I think I spotlighted another song off. You this album.
1: did, you did, and uh, I was glad to see that you didn't grab this song because I had that in the back of my uh, my, my mind when you uh, when you did yours. But uh, this is Blue Oyster Cult, and this is Shooting Shark. Was this produced by Bruce Dickinson? Is there cow any cowbell in it? More cowbell. <laughs> I don't hear any cowbell in this one. No no cowbell in this one. <laughs> but it's interesting when I look over the songs that I liked in the nineteen eighties, I really see this tendency toward these minor key melancholy, angst written oh, yeah. tunes, you know. Now, now this, this was a hit. I,
2: obviously, there's probably a a, a a shorter version. This is a long one. It's seven right. minutes. But I want to say I heard this on regular radio quite a bit. Just as a top, you know, yeah, do the through the top hits of the
1: of the, of the, I, the time. I'd, it's hard for me to know because so much of my listening was on 96 Rock. Yeah, and I I, I kind of don't know which songs were uh, were big hits and which songs were uh, were just hits on 96 Rock. This, Here comes the chorus.
2: Well, they promoted themselves a lot more than the, the hard rock group that they were in the 80s. I mean, Don't right. Fear the Reaper and songs like that, Godzilla. I mean, there's nothing like that at all. On this. Right.
1: Well, this is, uh, in fact, there was a comment, uh, I can't remember if it was on uh, Song Facts or where it was, but there was a comment that Shooting Shark also marks the point where Blue Oyster Cult jumped the shark because they went for that pop sound, and uh, they did well with it, but... Shortly after this, Blue Oyster Cult kind of falls off the, the, the radar.
2: And I want to say, like, in 86, I saw Rush. Mm-hmm. They were the headliner, and Blue Oyster Cult was the warm-up group. Yes,
1: I saw that. That was a great concert. It,
2: it was. I enjoyed the heck out of it. And I was just, oh, man, Blue Oyster Cult, great. You know, the, yeah. truth, you know, there are five or six songs everybody knows are great. Mm-hmm. But they, you know, they were an album group back in the day. Oh, in yeah. In the 70s.
1: Yeah. And Brian, you hear that?
3: Never can go wrong with the sex. There you we go. We don't have the cowbell, but we have
0: the sex.
1: Well, we might be missing the cowbell, but we've got. The
0: sax. <laughs> I didn't. I don't remember this song. I like it, but for some reason, I don't remember it.
1: There, they did a. Um, they did a video at the time. Um, the video was kind of weird, and I don't know that it won a whole lot of awards. It was. Uh, it was not exactly the uh, you know the, the the epic type video, but it's very strange. Um, and, uh, but but you can look that one up. That's kind of a fun thing to see. The lyrics are based on a poem by Patti Smith, who was known as the Punk Poet Laureate in New York in hmm. the 1970s. We that's of, we, not,
2: oh. not Patty Smythe. No, Smythe. Not Patti Smythe. No, not the one that married John McEnroe. This is Patti Smith. But, yeah, she was uh, definitely a punk rocker out of the CBGBs television slash talking heads
1: era, yeah. I guess. She, uh, she co-wrote Because the Night with Bruce Springsteen. Yep. Mm-hmm. So I didn't know that. And you hear that bass line? You know who that is?
2: Trevor yeah.
1: Rabbit. No, no, That is we Randy go yes. Jackson. Wow. Okay, that's Randy Jackson on bass oh, from yeah. uh, uh, American Idol. Yeah. Wow. So he goes from
3: doing some stuff with Blue Oyster Cult to Journey. Yes,
1: I think he did. Yeah. Didn't he? How about that? I like that bassline though. That little, that little, uh, uh, that little riff. Yeah,
0: I, I don't. I would not have placed this as Blue Oyster Cult.
1: No, it doesn't sound like Blue. It's Oyster not Club, rocking it? enough. No. I like it,
0: but I just wouldn't have thought it was Blue Oyster Cult. It I is probably is
2: time st- timestamp nineteen eighty four.
0: Yeah. Yes.
2: Yeah, you don't hear it very much these days. Well, Top hits of March of 1984. Van Halen, Jump.
0: Ooh, yeah. And
2: that was, their, I think, their first oh, number one the hit. First number one. And uh, it's probably the worst song I like of Van Halen's. If I you're a keyboard
1: like player, though, it was great because it is so easy to play. Well, Incredibly he was a guitarist, easy. not a keyboard player. <laughs> <laughs> so C- says David Lee Roth.
2: Cindy Lauper, Girls Just Want to Have Fun. Now, that was a fun video. That was fun. She had, she had a good time recording that album. Nina, 99 Love Balloons. We've spotlighted that one in the yeah. past. Mm-hmm. We talked about this earlier. Michael Jackson, Thriller. Mm. Yeah. So, talking about a nice video. And it, actually, we just recently watched the video for Halloween. We had a Halloween party. And then Rockwell. Remember, somebody's watching.
0: watching. Oh, yeah.
3: With a contribution or a cameo by Michael Jackson.
2: Yeah, exactly. And that's, I mean, anything Michael Jackson
1: touched at that time, it, it, was, it was hitting. Oh, uh, this line, by the way, talking about three times I sent you back from me, there was a, a little comment on that where it's the idea of somebody who can't get break away from this, this lover, right? And uh, so they've broken up with him three times. And then the last line in the song, it talks about, The fourth time round is the last time round. And, you know, it kind of leaves it up to you to decide, all right, do you really think this is going to be the end or not?
2: Mm. More music of March 1984. Sting plays his last concert with the police at the end of the Synchronicity Tour. And that lasted until 2007, and I actually went to that concert in 2007. It was most excellent. Berlin had an album out called Love for Life. The Cars, Heartbeat City, mm-hmm. Style Council. The Go Go's had Talk Show. Talk about a girl group that was having a great time. Oh, yeah. Icicle Works had the debut album. The Scorpions had Love at First Sting. Ooh, oh, yeah.
0: Mm-hmm.
1: Great album.
2: Rat Out of the Cellar. We're starting to get into that kind of uh, big hair, hair band. Uh, I'm
1: going to tell you Rat Out of the Cellar is a fine uh, CD. Mm-hmm
2: run dmc had run dmc and great white had great white
0: there we go yeah those were good i loved 1984 that's the year i graduated from high school and so paid attention to a lot of the music at that time that was great solid solid music
2: thank you bruce
0: gotta round it out now and go back to wayne since he presented the album spinal tap now he's gonna give us his staff pick what you got wayne
2: kind of recognize that sound a little bit
0: sounds yes. a little
2: familiar sounds like sounds, sounds like Pink Floyd one of their kind of later albums does it not well it's not Pink Floyd it's David Gilmore on a solo album this is a second solo album called about face the songs titled all lovers are deranged I just love that it's probably the most Pink Floydist song of this album, and that's probably the reason why I just love the heck out of it. But here's what it is. The it most feels, interesting it fact. like
1: Run, doesn't it?
2: Yeah, exactly. It does have all that kind of concept from, from the wall. Interesting fact. Guess who wrote this song? Pete Townsend. I was going to say, oh, I'm, really? I'm sure it wasn't Roger Waters. No, it wasn't Roger Waters. <laughs> It did reach. It, did, it didn't really go into uh, regular singles, but on modern rock songs, this was a number reached top ten. What's, what's kind of interesting? This is sort of the time when uh, Roger Waters was doing the final cut and actually doing songs for his own. So there was Radio this chaos. is where the split yeah. starting to come, and and Roger's going to go off on his own and. And the rest of the crew is going to stay on their own track and come out with their own Pink Floyd songs. And Roger Waters was really pissed off about that.
3: Well, remember they had a huge lawsuit about who could take the the, the name, the Pink Floyd name and the brand. And Roger Waters wanted to keep it, and, and the rest of the three survivors, the three of the members, said, No, this we are still a band. And it was a huge legal battle, and finally it was settled in 1986.
2: Yeah, he said that uh, Pink Floyd was a quote. Spent force creatively and he dissolved the band but then the rest of the band just said well you're not actually dissolved you can't dissolve something with the other three of them you know we're there's a bitter bitter
3: settlement bitter bitter
2: but uh david gilmore says the final cut was basically uh roger waters solo album. it was in response to the
3: falklands invasion
2: well other songs that were on this album uh there's a song called murder and it's uh, uh, basically Gilmore's writing about the census killing of John Lennon that we mm. talked about earlier. Uh, cruise, which is about Ronald Reagan putting cruise missiles stations in Britain. Wow. And uh, Love on the Air was another song that was written by Pete Townsend that was on this. But what's interesting, I, I like the kind of lyrics on this one. It takes a fight to start a fight, and the differences remain. We have the right to think we're right. We're addicted Addicts of fainting shame. All lovers are deranged.
3: (laughs) Words to live by.
2: Very nice. So go out and find you some Pink Floyd Light. (laughs) Find some David Gilmore, All Lovers Are Deranged. That's an interesting
1: way, interesting end to it.
2: All right, we're moving on to our comedy pick. And um, we're going to kind of touch base with some of the um, comedy that happened at that time. And Saturday Night Live, there's a guy named Andy Kaufman. You guys remember this?
1: Oh,
0: yeah.
2: He sings the Mighty Mouse song on Saturday Night Live.
0: I don't know if he's technically singing it, though.
2: Yeah, he's, I guess, lip, lip singing it.
1: Yeah. He had, he, he was at the time he was he was quite famous, you know. But he but he kept that same character of the, uh, of the, the the foreign man, the uh, very the, confused, yeah. very unsure of what was going on. Well,
3: let's not forget his his uh, obsession with wrestling.
0: Yeah, I wasn't a big fan of that wrestling women. Well, the thing
3: here's the bad part. He, it was all a, he and Jerry Lawler, of course, the big wrestler down in Memphis at the time. They were insane. They, they, this was created all by Kaufman. Waller yes. was more than happy to go along with it. But what happened was he, s- he created such a, a stir in Memphis because he basically told him, you Memphis, you know, hillbilly, you mm-hmm. just made him so mad that they would pack the Mid South Coliseum when, oh, when yeah. he would come that time and they would throw things into the ring. I mean, they really hated this guy.
2: If you want to go see the movie Man on the Moon with Jim Carrey, it is an excellent movie. I I had a great time watching that. That does kind of give – he does a good portrayal of Andy Kaufman on that. Well, speaking of which, this is toward the end of uh, What the Riff of March of 1984. Hopefully you enjoyed it. I'm Wayne.
0: I'm Rob. I'm
2: Brian. And I'm Bruce. We'll see you next time.
0: You've been listening to What the Riff. We hope you've enjoyed ripping with us and all the songs we had on tap today. Check out our website, whattheriff.com, to find a complete list of our blog and then find each track on iTunes, Google Play, or Spotify to listen to them again. Follow us on Facebook at WhatTheRiff, and let us know what artists you'd like us to feature in the future. Tell your friends about us and thank you to our sponsors, Stanton Electric and Marbury Creative Group. See you next time on What The Riff?